We love recording the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast and sharing our wisdom and funnies around business and entrepreneurship. If you're looking for more support, education, and tips for your weight inclusive business, head over to our Instagram at Weight Inclusive Innovators. You'll find us doing relatable reels and call to actions on ways that you can move the needle in your business. That's at Weight Inclusive Innovators on Instagram. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Happy Monday, Weight Inclusive Innovators. Today, we're going to be chatting about something that seriously cannot be talked about enough. The discomfort, uncertainty, and those icky feelings that come with being an entrepreneur. But before we dive into today's episode, let's do a little bit more of a lighthearted check-in with Hannah. Excluding water, if you could only drink one beverage the rest of your life, what would it be? I love how random this question is. Um, <laughs> before we started recording, I was like, uh, duh, it's water. And Morgan's like, obviously, besides water. I think my beverage, uh, I hate picking one of things, you know. Oh, I know you do. Dang it. Content. Like, am I, is it a hot summer day and I'm wanting a milkshake? Like, and then I just get milkshakes for the rest of my life? I don't know. I mean, that wouldn't be so bad. That wouldn't be so bad. Mm. You're making me question my beverage of choice now. Should be a milkshake. It's not going to be though, but it could be. Fair. Uh, gosh, the people already know it's probably a cappuccino. That's what I was thinking too. Uh-huh. I wrote this question because of how much I was missing the coffee of Mexico. Every time I've made a coffee this week or went to a coffee shop, I if somebody's around, I'll be like, these are $2 in Mexico City. <laughs> This is sad. I'm just kidding. It's a different place, a different context. It's fine. I'm so happy to pay for my $6 latte when I stay to use the Wi-Fi or just because I want to support small business. But you can't beat a $2 cappuccino, man. I've been extra bitter this week of the amount of money that I've spent on coffee. I'm hoping it'll go away next week, but I gave myself permission to be bitter for the rest of this week. Usually... (laughs) Feeling bitter about something like that, there's usually something else underneath too. So you funnel that in there. (laughs) I was like, like the fact that I just want to get out of the States again and go back to Mexico City. It's probably what it is. Exactly. Grief. It's the grieving process of not being there anymore. The grieving process. It's all the anger that I can't channel into other places. And so I'm channeling it into the cost of coffee right now. That is okay. How are you feeling being back in Houston? It's okay. I guess the, the, so I got in Wednesday night and it felt really good to sleep in my own bed. Not that I didn't love your couch. Your couch was very comfortable, but that paired with being in just a different bedroom for a few days, it just felt good to be back at my bed. And then I woke up on Thursday and I'm like, why am I not back in Mexico city? Why am I not back in Denver? And immediately looked up apartments in Mexico city. 
before I started my day. <laughs> Houston's okay. It's super, it was dreary all day yesterday. It's raining today. So I'm just like a little, a little annoyed by it all, but I found a, not found. I was reminded of a new series on Amazon prime called the summer. I turned pretty. And actually the author of the book series keeps popping up on my TikTok too. And I've had a lot of friends recommend it. And so I started watching that and that's what I'm just going to plan on doing the rest of the day after this. Mm. I know you didn't ask what I was doing today, but that's what I'm doing today. I wanted to know what you were doing today. That's perfect. I always want to know. We went from two weeks of knowing where the other person was at all times. Like, makes sense (laughs) that you want to know what I'm doing today. It's so true. It's so true. If I could only ever drink one beverage the rest of my life, it'd be nice. Yes. Sorry for deflecting (laughs) us. I, I assumed your answer was cappuccino too. So I was like, you know, brush our hands off. We're ready for the next question. No, it's okay. Sorry, I also talked over you. What is your drink that you would choose? I can only drink one beverage for the rest of my life. It would be an iced vanilla latte. Similar to a cappuccino. You can't really get good iced vanilla lattes in Mexico City, but back here in Houston, you definitely can. So that would be it. Yeah, the iced lattes in Mexico City were milk with like a teaspoon of coffee, maybe. Maybe. They were like milk colored, which I love milk. That's fine. If that's what I'm drinking, I'm having some cookies with it. That's what I was expecting. Cool. But it's like when it's in the morning and I need that little like coffee flavor and the little hit of caffeine. I was like, Bolt of energy. I was like, why am I drinking a cup of milk right now? And that's like my wind down drink. Like that's like my, like, let me have a glass of milk and cookies or a bowl of cereal with milk before bed. It doesn't energize me. Ready to dive into today's episode? I am. Let's do it. We are talking about basically overarching ick feelings that come with entrepreneurship and business that you cannot avoid, that feel really gross, that don't often get better over time. You just kind of learn how to manage them and tend to them. And the big two that really stuck out to us when we're thinking about how we feel is the feeling of discomfort and the feeling of uncertainty. As two optimists who are able to put a positive spin on anything, we are also very acutely aware that entrepreneurship is not all rainbows and butterflies as much as we wish it could be because Hannah and I really love to avoid the discomfort (laughs) and the uncertainty of things. Usually whenever I'm talking with other people about it, and I'm, I'm sure you probably run into this too as a business coach. I like being the cheerleader. I like being the hype girl. I like being the overly optimistic, you can do anything, I'm here to support you person. And I think a lot of the times, because of that outlook on things, people forget that we also realize that like this shit is hard and we just don't talk about it as much. You took the words right out of my fucking brain. Like, we don't have that verbiage on our outline for this episode, but I'm like, fuck, that's exactly what I was thinking of in context of us being coaches, being so positive, being like, you fucking got this and wondering if people think like, we just don't have those feelings mm-hmm. when it's like, no, those feelings literally destroy my core. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. One thing that I have become acutely aware of 
in an entrepreneur, I imagine there's some parallel in just general life too, but I feel like it comes up a lot with entrepreneurship is running a business in this like window of tolerance of my emotions. And I know window of tolerance is like a therapeutic term, but being able to bring that into the context of business, there's just, there's only so much discomfort and uncertainty that we can handle. And it's different for everybody. There's also certain things that Hannah and I do once we're like nearing that threshold to take care of ourselves because our mental health needs to take priority. Related, but kind of not related. (laughs) Rachel B. Turner is a trauma-informed copywriter. And I think we've added her before because we're talking about trauma-informed copywriting, but (laughs) she posted this yesterday and it is one of the most relatable things that I have ever read. And it says, if one more person says it's okay to not be okay, and then sells a marketing strategy that bypasses mental health, I'm going to lock someone in the chokey and spin them by their ponytails. (laughs) And I was like, ain't that the fucking truth? Wait, what is a chokey? Chokehold. Okay, that's what I thought. By their ponytail. (laughs) I I, okay. How does that work? Chokehold. Okay, and then (laughs) I feel like you could like hold someone by the pony and like spin them. But you'd have to spin with them, right? Yeah. Never mind. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I was just trying to envision this, and then you just tried to give me a visual, and that was very funny. So I am I am satisfied with that. The outcome of that window of tolerance. We at some level can manage discomfort and uncertainty. We are going to have to, or else we will not be able to run a business because for the third time in this recording so far, we can't avoid it. You are going to be uncomfortable and uncertain a lot of times in entrepreneurship because it is all about kind of pushing the boundaries of growth and where you want to be and challenging yourself and not getting complacent. Entrepreneurship and business wouldn't be what they are without discomfort and uncertainty. Because if those things weren't there, I think it would just be living a very neutral life or working something very neutral because there's not a risk there. There's no risk. And then there's no reward either. And that's the thing you have to remember is the discomfort and uncertainty that you learn to tolerate and have tools to deal with is to have high reward. So while uh, these are things that we experience, we also are not, other than our own lived experiences, we're not experts in this. There's definitely ways that Hannah and I uh, tackle these and manage these, or at least try to manage these, navigate these. But really, we just wanted to show up to talk about the shit show that's entrepreneurship sometime and in hopes that you would feel validated that even though in our business offerings, Hannah and I usually show up as the hype girls behind the scenes. Oh, you can only hear some of the conversations Hannah and I have behind the scenes. (laughs) We deal with it too. It's shitty. It sucks. It's even harder to deal with when like personal life also decides to show up too. All part of the work-life balance episode 30. If you want to go listen to that. But without further ado, let's start with discomfort. What does discomfort mean to you? 
Where, where does it show up for you? The first thing I have to say about discomfort, and then I'll answer your questions is I think about this a lot as an Enneagram seven and not wanting to feel my feelings. I have a hard time not being comfortable. Mm. Like Same. in a lot of different aspects of my life. I even think about movement, for example, if I'm not like super into something, let's say I'm going for like a jog. It is really hard for me to pick up the pace. Like I don't want to feel that discomfort. I cannot sustain that discomfort. I don't care about it enough to do that. I'm like, I will fucking walk if I want to, um, or not jog at all. And I do that. Like in that context, I experience not wanting to feel discomfort in relationships sometimes. And I think that's an interesting part of me because I'm all about direct communication and having hard conversations and conflict management and resolution. But discomfort in general is really like a major ick thing for me. So discomfort, what does that mean? And what does it feel like? Discomfort is a feeling of unease. And I often feel it like right below my rib cage. Mm. And it's flips, like butterfly flips. What flips? What's, what's a metaphor for what flips under your ribs and feels ick? Like a fish out of water? There we go. That's like flopping. Yeah, flopping. Flipping, flopping is one past tense, future tense. I don't know. I'm not an English major. (laughs) I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that I feel it right there. And it makes me, it pushes me out of my window of tolerance sometimes when we think about that concept. Like I become in that hyper aroused state. I become not present. I start to spiral in thoughts. And that's how it starts for me is that feeling in my body and the unease of whatever's going on. For me, discomfort physically shows up, I would say, like right at my stomach. And it's usually like a rush of like warmth throughout my body. Some that very- sounds nice. <laughs> warmth. I know it's not. Think of, think of like electric zaps of warmth. Oh, okay. No, the Z lost me at the zaps. That sounds not nice. It's like, it just like jolts throughout my body. Oh, I'd love to. No, it's not like a warmth, like under a blanket warmth. That's like a. <laughs> It's like a heart racing, stomach reflex, jolts throughout my body type discomfort. Would agree. I mean, I think in general, like, you know, that kind of mentioned window of tolerance, we probably go into a state of hyper arousal. I guess you could go into hypo arousal too, depending on how you tolerate discomfort. But I'm with you. I go into hyper arousal. My brain is starts racing. Uh, I can't think straight. I get flustered. I trip over my words. If I'm like talking to someone, it's very hard to be rounded with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing I noticed too, is I get really short of breath. Like my, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. do deep breathing when I'm in that state, when I'm feeling uncomfortable. And then there's been times where I've talked to people that I've been around while in a state of discomfort and spiraling about my business. And I'm like, I take a deep breath. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I forgot to breathe. Mm -hmm. I literally forgot to breathe. And I mean, even, even taking this kind of like, because we're, we're explaining some like pretty intense emotions, even in things that I enjoy doing, I'm going to give this just one example, public speaking. I love public speaking. I love being on stage. It is still uncomfortable for me. Like my body still responds as if I don't love public speaking sometimes. And it's very similar. Shortness of breath, having to catch my breath, 
tend to be a little bit more emotional. Like I'm more likely to like bust into tears, which so be it. <laughs> like any, like it, it can like just any little thing can set me off at that point in terms of not like set me off in like an anger, but like set me off in like more heightened emotions. Yeah. Needing a release that totally makes needing sense a release. To me. when you're in that hyper aroused state because of discomfort and unease your body wants to like expel it. And sometimes that's crying. Sometimes that's talking really fast. I know I fall into that. And I think part of it's ADHD. Part of it is I need to get all this out and process this. So it like leaves my body and I'm breathing in the process and I'm feeling relief. I have to say this. It's a positive spin. I know this episode is about the icky stuff, but I'm putting a positive spin on it. Growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. Mm. Said it before. I'll continue to say it. And in order to grow your business, you just naturally have to know that the discomfort is going to come with it. But with that discomfort comes more growth. It's a great cycle. It is a great cycle. It is the cycle we want to keep perpetuating. Growth is interesting because what happens with that that makes it so uncomfortable or the experience of discomfort is changes that have to happen and things you haven't done before, or there's so many things that need to shift that you feel overwhelmed. And so when you think about discomfort, do you have any synonyms to that or any other feelings people might have that really the umbrella is discomfort? The one that probably shows up for me the most is like vulnerability this is something that I've actually been reflecting on more, like more recently is I can play it small. I can keep my business the way it is. I cannot add on anything. We could decide to stop this podcast. We're not, but we could, but showing up in these spaces, growing my business, creating more offerings, doing presentations, doing webinars, hosting a workshop, doing all of these things are the ways that I am growing, that we are growing our businesses. And it puts us in a place of so much vulnerability because that means there are going to be more eyes on us, more ears in what we're talk- on what we're talking about, opportunity for things to get taken out of context. And whenever I was younger... I loved the idea of being like an influencer and like having thousands of followers on Instagram. And as I've gotten older, I have very much realized that there is a lot of shit that happens behind the scenes that I don't think I I would figure it out, but I think it would be really hard, like getting mean comments on the internet, having to stand up for myself and my values, like all things I would do and manage but all things that are very uncomfortable for me because I just want to be friends with everyone. And I know I can't be. It just goes back to the highlight reel, right? There's a Mm -hmm. highlight reel in the example of an influencer. There's a highlight reel in entrepreneurship and business of you're just rocking it out. You're getting clients left and right. You're not disappointing anybody. There's no conflict in your business. Like you're just making money out the ass. And it's absolutely not to all of that. And I say that not to be like, we never experience those things uh, on the, on the flip good side, right? Like Mm. making money and having successful events and things, but 
there is a constant need to push the door open through discomfort. Even gearing up for the podcast today, like I love being here. You love being here. Talking about this stuff is so fun. It's the highlight of my week a lot of the time. And I still have to get into a certain mode to show up. Mm -hmm. And even in that process, there's discomfort, even though it's good. Where is the overlap between like having discomfort? Like what's that umbrella for you? For me, discomfort often looks like I mean, I can even use that example I just kind of spoke to, but gearing up, like Mm -hmm. having to, I don't want to sensationalize this idea because it's a toxic idea of like busy culture, but pulling self up by bootstraps and getting something done in a way of like, I need to do this. This is part of it. Not a, I'm working 80 hours, fucking keep pushing through, embrace that discomfort. Don't recommend that. Mm -hmm. But there is part of the, discomfort umbrella that is the rallying, the grit. When I'm talking about grit, what I mean is seeing that there is some kind of barrier, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, business, personal stuff, whatever, and being able to move through it and having radical acceptance that Mm. this is part of it. And this is just what you have to do. And you are willing to do it. Versus creating avoidance of, oh my gosh, I have to go into a third round interview with someone because I want to really make sure they're a a good fit. And gosh, I just can't have another conversation today. I'm feeling really tired. I'm just going to cancel it. That's Mm -hmm. not great. That is, and, and there could be scenarios where that's very appropriate, right? Like there's no shade to saying like, I'm just going to cancel it or reschedule, but it is the, the weighing cost and benefit of, okay, I'm really tired and I still need to show up to this thing because I have big visions for my business. I really like this person. I'm hoping that things go well in this interview and I'm going to rally and show up and and push through it a little bit. And then I'm going to take care of myself after. That's great. Gosh, that's so good. Because as someone whose natural tendency, whenever I'm feeling discomfort is to cancel everything and avoid and take the rest of the day off there are definitely times where like, I can't, or that wouldn't, that wouldn't be best for my mental health because I know that if I cancel everything, I'm going to spiral. And so it's better to have some distraction the rest of the day and having to like push through and have that grit and just accept that this sucks and hold space for, I still have to work. I still have to have calls. I still have to do project work with the intention that yes, we'll figure it. Like I will take care of my mental health later, like that, that same day, but like later that day, whenever I am done working. Yeah. It's like coaching yourself through it. And I think about it in terms of the work that clinicians do with clients as well. It's not, I don't want to eat this food today, fuck recovery. So I'm not going to do it. It's, oh man, I plan to eat this thing, discuss it with my dietitian. I really don't want to right now. I know this is going to help me in the future. And I'm going to meet up with a friend after I eat this brownie to distract myself versus mm-hmm. I'm not going to eat this brownie because if I do, I'm going to freak out. And so I need to not freak out. That's yeah. not the solution. Right. It's not. It's avoidance. It's avoidance. So where... Do you feel like discomfort has shown up for you and the business recently? Ah, at Nourished, and I talked about this on a previous episode a while ago, 
when we were actually talking about vulnerability, it was our episode on having a vulnerability hangover or mm-hmm. uh, something like that. I'll look it up and link it in the show notes. But I talked about the thing that makes me feel the most vulnerable discomfort in Nourish Colorado is hiring people mm-hmm. and building that trust in each other having people as an uncontrollable factor on both ends, right? Like I'm uncontrollable to them. They're uncontrollable to me. We are in an ecosystem interacting with each other, supporting each other, going through ebbs and flows. That is so fucking vulnerable to me. It's vulnerable and uncomfortable that at the end of the day, they're reliant on me. And that's okay. We've both consented to that. It's awesome. That's the work employer employee relationship. And sometimes that's really fucking uncomfortable when something's not going the way that I would want it to, or there's some conflict or something. It's like, oof, this is on me to deal with and to navigate with this person. And they're going to respond or react or take what I say or take my suggestions how they're going to. And that is really uncomfortable to me. And it goes with uncertainty, which we'll get to. But like, how are they going to respond? What are they going to say? Are we okay? Are we going to be okay? Do we trust each other enough to know this is normal and we've moved through it? In values-driven group, the thing that's making me, this is going to sound silly, but the thing that's providing so much discomfort to me right now is I am booked and I keep getting inquiries. And I don't know what to do about that because I want to take on everybody. And I know I'm really good at this. and people really get value out of working with me. And I'm like, uh oh, what do I do now? Like, and then because it opens a spiral of overwhelm, another mm-hmm. thing that I put under the umbrella of discomfort of, okay, how long should I work with people? When do I close the loop? How can I still be helpful? When do I move them to monthly? How many people can I tolerate taking on? How many people do I want to take on without distracting too much from my group practice? Cause I need to start with my, still be there for my team oh, I need to hire another admin, X, Y, Z. There's so many things that come after recognizing this one bottleneck. And it's a great bottleneck to have. I love working with the people I do. Everybody who reaches out always seems to be a good fit, which just makes me feel great about attracting the right people to coach. Mm -hmm. And so I want to take them all, but I can't. Not right now. So that is what is creating so much discomfort for me in value serving group right now. And then for the we podcast, the thing that is creating the most discomfort for me is the vulnerability of starting our accountability club. And I'm excited about it. It's going to be awesome, but there is an unknown there of what's going to be valuable to people versus what we think is valuable. And knowing that we're going to start something and it's going to have to shift and shift and shift because that's just how this works. And again, it's that gearing up like, all right, we're launching accountability club soon. We're going to do our workshop soon. We're going to start somewhere and knowing that's not where we stay. I was not feeling a lot of discomfort with that. Now I am. But I mean, it's, it's, it's so very much in the window of tolerance for me because we've started many businesses together and apart. And we just know that that's to be expected. Like your first round is never going to be perfect. You're going to, but you have to start somewhere and you have to start trialing it and then just be really freaking realistic with yourself and business partner to have open conversation and make changes as needed. I appreciate you saying it's not going to be perfect because 
at the root of everything, I see people get caught in that the most of until this is in place, I can't do this. If I don't tweak this until it's perfect, it's never going to launch. And you have to tolerate the discomfort that perfection doesn't exist. And that will hold you back for so fucking long. And you got to let that go. You got to just get it out there. Brene Brown would say shitty first draft, get it out. Tell us about your businesses and your discomfort that shows up. Yeah. So I think the discomfort that shows up most is just knowing how to respond when someone is unsatisfied or dissatisfied. Or I have the, not even, not even that they've told me they are, but if I have like a perception that they are, that feels really uncomfortable for me. It also kind of lights a fire under my ass to like do better and put better systems in place, which I'm working on. And it makes me, I will say, it makes me question my like discovery call process because majority of the time, the people that I work with are like my fucking people. Like we get shit done. They're happy. I'm happy. We have a great time doing it. And there are certain instances where someone hasn't been super happy with the process or someone has sent an email that's like really tough to receive. It's kind of like we've talked about it before, just like getting negative feedback makes me so uncomfortable because I just, I want everything to be rainbows and butterflies. I want to be everyone's best friend. I want everyone to have a great time. I want it to just be this like happy-go-lucky experience. And I can't control how other people respond to things and I can't control how other people's perception of the branding and web design process is. I think the interesting part of even just that you're kind of naming, there's a process people go through, they may be dissatisfied with it or have feedback of what was hard for them or they didn't like. And it reminds me that all of this, all of our systems and things are a journey. It's not a destination. And again, back to that perfectionism, there's never going to be a time that your branding and onboarding and discovery call process is going to be perfect. Like, what does that even mean? If you get too quote unquote perfect, then you're too comfortable and then you're not on the edge of innovation and growing. Yeah. And that's exactly what it's been. Whenever I've had clients like that, it makes me go back to like my discovery call and I'm like, where did I miss the mark? What did I not explain? well enough. And it constantly tweaks like the points that I need to make sure to cover in the discovery call because, you know, discovery call is about like making sure that they're a good fit for me and I'm a good fit for them. Like it's a two-way street and we have to like, I always started off with learning about them because I'm so excited to hear about their business and by them telling me about their business and kind of where they want to grow helps me understand and pitch and let them know like what I think the next steps would be. But also like I have to explain what those next steps, what I think they should be. And the other person has to be willing to like receive that and trust that process as well and make sure that like me and my personality and my energy and my like vision for what my vision for what their vision is, is in alignment. I feel more strong and strong in that thought as the days go by now that I'm feeling more like hitting my stride in different businesses. Cause I think at first, and you may relate to this too, being someone who feels like people pleasing at times, wanting everybody to be your friend is just 
I'll make whatever work. Or like, Mm -hmm. you tell me this, I can meet that. Or I'll try to meet that. And now I'm at a point of like, no, it's, it's just not going to be a good fit if it's not a good fit. And it feels good to be able to like have that discomfort and that uncomfortable conversation. If you're like, Hey, I actually don't think we're it. And being the one to name it when you're offering the service and not feeling like I have to work with whoever I need to. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I absolutely feel that. I definitely know my boundaries a little bit better with that. And we can use that to segue into uncertainty because there's also a piece of, I know I'm not going to be the best fit for everyone, but saying no, I'm losing out on money because it's one client that I'm not going to be working with. And I'm not going to say yes just to get money. I will make that very clear. I am going to hold that boundary um, in whatever way I need to, but it definitely is kind of like the start of the uncertainty. I appreciate you actually using the example of money of like, if I say no to this because it's not a good fit, then I have the uncertainty of money and when I'm going to get paid next and when I'm going to find the person who is a good fit. And at the end of the day, if you have a business that's only ran by doing something to get revenue and the something you're doing isn't in alignment with your values, reciprocated between the person providing the service and the person receiving the service as in satisfaction, why are we doing what we're doing? And then also, if you're not getting paid to do things, you can't take care of yourself and you don't have a business. So I appreciate you bringing money into it because that is true. Like we make sacrifices in trying to live in businesses that align with our values and the discomfort that comes with that and the uncertainty. So I have a question for you because I feel like this comes up a lot, especially when people are making the leap from working for a treatment center or a hospital into running their own practice. During that transition, a lot of the times I hear people say, I'm willing to work with anyone. I just need to get myself on my feet. And I think there's a lot of validity to that because it is a fucking scary leap of faith. How do you balance that uncertainty with still upholding your values? Because I think there's a way where you can say like, I will accept these people and I will never prescribe weight loss and you can uphold your value in that way. But how do you navigate ideal client versus... Any, accepting anyone that'll come because you need to pay yourself during that leap. Well, I went through that, right? That is such a, a beginner experience, which everybody needs to go through. Mm-hmm. You can't just create your private practice, never having had take a client and be like, I'm only working with these folks. You don't know who you want to work with. Mm-hmm. You don't know what your values are in your business. How can you know? You can try to decide before you start, but you're going to learn very quickly that they're going to shift and change and grow and have more of them. Like you don't know. So I don't think people go directly into the mindset of I'm going to take on any client that I comes across like, fuck it. I think it's okay. This client reached out. Is this workable? Am I, do I have a little bit of interest in helping them to like where I can tweak it in my mind to fit what I'm trying to go for. And then they go through the experiences of working with people and they're like, okay, cool. This person was a great fit. This person was okay. I liked them, but I don't feel like I was doing the work I really wanted to do. That's a natural part of this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I answered your question, but basically that's normal and everybody goes through that and you don't stay there or else you're not going to live like a values driven life. Yeah. That makes sense. That's what I tell people too, like on the branding side of things. I'm like, you need to have like seen some clients 
to know who your ideal client is. Like you have to work with a bunch of different types of people in order to know who you like and who you don't like working with. You talked about the design studio and the discomfort Mm -hmm. a little bit. Anything else you want to add there? Just onboarded my VA today. And while the excitement definitely outweighs the discomfort, like there is still discomfort there because I'm letting someone into my business that's going to have an impact on like my success, basically. Mm. And then discomfort of the eating expedition is like knowing that I put this out there and we're going to Italy, which I'm so excited about, but knowing that if no one signed up, like it would have flopped. It's a risk. What about startup? I think just the startup space in general is pretty uncomfortable because it's, you're relying on a lot of other people for like funding and moving the needle in the business. And it's also just like, well, I am very comfortable and capable of developing marketing strategies, doing provider outreach. Like that's what my whole background is in. This is just a whole new role, right? It's a whole new company. I had gotten really comfortable working for myself and not really having to like, I don't want to say have someone above me, but have someone above me. And now, you know, we have our two, our CEO, our two co-founders and while they're incredible and I love working with them, like, it's just like going back to working on a consistent team. Cause I was so used to just like working with a provider, like one-on-one for a few months and then they were set. They were good to go. We, as you said, closed that loop. In the startup space too, like we talked about earlier, just the constant change and the rate of change and I'm you can't see my hand but I'm like making it shoot up like the change and the growth and the shifting is just a tenfold experience where it's always happening and that is so uncomfortable there's no stability there there's no like okay I know what we're doing we it's like this thing's offered as a suggestion you do it didn't work cool let's change something else oh this is a new policy we're putting in place Boom, yeah. boom, boom, fast moving. It's also it's also new because I feel like when like when I was in outreach, like I had a boss who had a boss and there was someone else in charge of the vision. And then it trickled down into my level where it was like the execution. And then even with like doing coaching around marketing with mental health providers, like I've got the strategy piece of it, but they're the ones implementing it. And within this role, I'm encompassing all of that. I am the visionary. I am implementing. I am having provider outreach calls. I am doing the strategy. And so it's it, it's like the overwhelm, right? Of like, there's all these pieces. How do I structure this? Yes. And because startup has certain funding and it starts small and then you add people on the team as you can, you are doing 10 people's roles. And hopefully over time, those things will be spread out. Like there will be the visionary person, the leader, there will be the executor, there will be the strategist. But right now, because that's how startup culture is, it's just, they try to keep costs low and they try to do things fast. And so you're doing multiple roles. You're being multiple things and that is not sustainable for a long term. Snaps. (laughs) So obviously we have lots of things that we are experiencing discomfort with. What about uncertainty what uh, how like how does uncertainty show up for you everywhere all of it <laughs> uncertainty is uncomfortable and discomfort too i think it's probably the biggest tangible concept that relates directly to entrepreneurship in 
risk and taking a chance and not knowing what's going to happen. There's so many pieces of business and entrepreneurship where the shows like hiring somebody, are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Are they going to grow here? Are they going to be here forever? Like there's so much uncertainty there. We can't predict the future. We cannot predict the future. We cannot guarantee anything. There's so many variables and factors that can change what we think a trajectory is. And so I guess the first thing that when I think about uncertainty showing up for me, it's in every single aspect of every single business. And that is the thing I have to tolerate the most. And I actually think I do an okay job at it, which has made me successful in my businesses because I'm like, this is part of it. I have acceptance. And also this is kind of exciting. Like what is going to come of this versus, oh my gosh, is anything going to come of this? It's that helpful, positive reframe of changing anxiety to excitement. What's Mm going to happen? I don't know what could happen. That's exciting versus, oh my God, what if nobody ever buys anything from me or whatever the thought might be, the uncertainty there. What about for you? Uncertainty. It pulls me in one of two ways. And, and I haven't quite figured out which way it goes. I I either become really avoidant of whatever is happening. Um, I think finances is a huge one of that where I'm like, out of sight, out of mind, not going to look at it, just going to hope for the best and hope it all works out. Or I'll become really like hyper aware of it. And like, we'll have like recurring ruminating thoughts on like the what ifs of the uncertainty. And I would say like that has shown up more for me in like the eating expedition where I'm like, if no one signs up, what if, what if, what if, what if. And I think that that just shows up with anytime you launch a new business, launch a new offering, launch a new product of are people going to want this? It's just a lot of like, just the game of what ifs Mm. that I just think about over and over and over again. I like that you named both of those reactions to uncertainty of like either hyperfixation or avoidance and how there's like, it depends on the situation, which one your brain goes to. I feel like in a hyper-focused state, it's almost like a protective net of if I keep thinking about this and spiraling in it and it's top of mind, then it's not going to fail. Like Mm -hmm. I think it's a subconscious thing, but I, I think about that a lot of I'm hyper fixating on this to make sure it doesn't fall through the cracks because it's uncertain and I don't know what's going to happen versus the avoidant part of me in some spaces where I'm like, I can't even touch that right now. It's so uncertain. I don't even know what to do with it. Like just going to, just going to ignore it and focus on this other thing over here. So we have discomfort, we have uncertainty, we've talked about how they impacted us. What are some of your go-to ways to make sure you're taking care of yourself whenever you're experiencing discomfort or uncertainty? So let me give a few examples of what that could look like first and then how I would take care of myself around it. So at Nourish Colorado, like I alluded to earlier with discomfort, the uncertainty that gets me the most is twofold. One is employees. And I'm going to put an asterisk here because it's a mixed bag. Some folks, and this will be the experience at any group practice, you have your ride or die people that you know aren't ever going to go anywhere. They're all about what you're doing. They love it. You love it. They're such a 
good symbiotic relationship there. And then there's folks who have all different kinds of life circumstances or that you have relationships with that you're, you don't know. You don't know if and when they're going to leave. Another point to that is everyone's going to leave your business one day, including you. And that's normal. That's one thing I'll tell myself to calm that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I, and I tell myself, I don't have control over other people. I can only do everything I can to show up for them, check in, ask for what they need, see what the barriers are in staying. And then it even goes back to like a more proactive space of like, am I hiring the right people? I want to hire the people who this is their dream job. Mm-hmm. And it's on me if I don't hire those people too. I have a role in that. And so the uncertainty of hiring people, how long they're going to stay, how they're going to feel, all of that is hard. And the way I combat it is having open conversations, having an open door policy, really trying to make it a safe space for communication. And also by having that thought of everyone is going to leave at some point. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I need to do everything I can right now to mitigate that, which I try to do. The other piece of Nourish Colorado that feels uncertain and how I navigate it is when we're going to have a random cash flow issue due to insurance. That's usually the biggest player. And I know that in the beginning of the year, it always happens just with the holiday slowdown and then really ramping up and paying my team before we get paid by insurance. That's just how it works when you're in an employee-based group practice. And I mitigate some of that uncertainty by having a nest egg of funds so that I can use that if I need to, to pay the team and then replenish those funds when we finally do get reimbursed by insurance. And I also normalize that. And I hear things that normalize that in business. Like sometimes you're just going to have cash flow issues. I know you and I were talking about this and the Rachel Rogers episode around five things in business that happen. I can't remember the title. Do you remember the title? It was, no, it was specifically related to cash flow. Oh, beautiful. And it was like what to do when you have cash flow issues or something like that. We'll put the title in the show notes. But I remember listening to that and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have cash flow. Not, it's not like a, you're a bad business if you have cash flow issues, which is like, for whatever reason, that was the thought that I had, but she was talking about like every business is going to have cash flow issues, regardless of what type of business you are. And I feel like hearing that I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be as avoidant with my finances. And I need to just like tackle it head on knowing that this is uncertain. And it's very likely that it's going to happen to me at some point in my business as I'm growing. And that uncertainty is going to stay uncertain if you never look at it. That too. Yeah. So cash flow is a big one for thinking about group practice and uncertainty. Yeah. That's that's what it is for mine too, is like the just the consistency of of income that finances. Um unfortunately the government doesn't tell us how much we're gonna owe in taxes. So having to figure that out, we can estimate as best as possible, but we don't have a specific number until we actually do our taxes and you just never quite know what that's gonna be. And then I would say, honestly, it's pretty similar for values driven group. I kind of look at my clients as my employees in a way, or maybe I look at my employees as my clients in Nourish Colorado. Either way, it's just the uncertainty of working with people and like, are they satisfied? If they're not, are they going to tell me they're not so that I can do something? Like being uncertain about how they're going to show up can be uncertain at times. And the way that I 
overcome that is having conversations. Like there's been times in business coaching where there has been conflict or I've said things that don't sit well with people. And I am so grateful that they tell me. And if there were a situation where someone felt like they couldn't tell me, I hope that I would have a sense to where I could ask them and be curious and let them know I want this to be safe to talk about and that I would love feedback and to repair if needed. But there's the uncertainty of if they're going to be able to feel like they could tell me. Yeah, that's how it is with my clients as well. Definitely feel that. Yeah, I feel like that could really encompass like a lot of different businesses and every single business, every single one. It's always the people and like wanting to deliver and wanting to be certain that they would tell us if they're unsatisfied. So how do you navigate it all? What do you do? What's, what's Hannah's go-to way to process all this shit? My way of dealing with that example or just in general? In general. Okay. So to navigate discomfort and uncertainty, now that we've given some examples, what we would do, how we feel, In general, I talk to people that I trust and hash it out and process what I'm feeling and hopefully get some feedback around that's either objective or I get support or I get perspective of like this thing you're fixating on really doesn't matter in the grand scheme. Um, Those kinds of things. That's one. Um, What about you? My first line of attack is usually to, yeah, like call a business bestie or depending on what it is that's making me uncomfortable. I call my dad frequently with business stuff just because he's been high up in a business for quite some time. And even though it's a totally different business than what I run, like it's very helpful to have this perspective because I feel like I'm a little more loosey goosey and he is quite firm around things. And so it helps me have another perspective and find a little happy medium. And he reminds me when I need to hold a boundary. <laughs> I'm sure he loves that you call him about business stuff, truly. Well, I love calling him about business stuff. So, speaking of talking to people, therapy is a oh. huge one. Yep. I can't even tell you how many times I vacillate between personal life stuff, business stuff, managing folks stuff, and like, my therapist has just got to be like, all right, I got to remember all of this. This person has three <laughs> different lives. And oh, mine too. Sometimes it feels like business coaching that you receive in therapy. Oh yeah. And I think that's awesome. Kind of in conjunction with like calling people and going to therapy is whenever I'm uncomfortable or dealing with discomfort or uncertainty in any way. And I have kind of like that zap, zappy, high energy, heart racing, like removing myself from my usual surroundings and like going out somewhere, whether that's for a walk to go sit at a coffee shop, like something just to like, get me out. Like Mexico city, going to Mexico city. That's an extreme. You can't <laughs> do that on the rag. That too, though. I definitely, there's definitely pieces of that that feels great, but like in, in the day to day pieces of running a business, like I did, I experienced discomfort probably like at least three times a week minimum. Um, I experience discomfort every single day. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I pretty much take Wednesday off and don't check my email. So that kind of that helps pushes that out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's more. Maybe I'm just too optimistic around You're it. You're being an optimist. You're being a seven. Well, let, right me, let, me, let me say this. I, I experience the like pushing up against the window of tolerance type discomfort usually about three times a week. Everything else is just kind of like general anxiety that I've already been able to manage. 
Um, That's a good distinction. Yeah. It's on a spectrum, right? It's not, it's not black and white, (laughs) but there's the, and this is like, this is like pushing the window of tolerance, discomfort that I'm talking about. Like that's when I'm calling my dad. That's when I'm calling a friend. That's when I'm needing to like shift up, shake up my usual routine, um, find out ways that I can like ground myself and get back to, to my window of tolerance. I'm able to like accurately process through it. I'm anxious every single day related to business because there is just like new stuff happening all the time. But usually that discomfort, I'm able to like give myself a pep talk and like figure that shit out pretty quickly. Mm, Yes. So you said the word grounding and I think that really captures navigating discomfort and uncertainty overall, like all of these things we're speaking to calling people therapy, coaching yourself, whether it's through journaling, naming what's going on for yourself, you're trying to ground yourself Mm -hmm. and that's going to look different for everybody. Like what grounds you, what's going to make you bring that 10 down to a six Mm -hmm. and regulate. Another thing, and I know we've talked about this before, it's in one of my favorite books, Choose Wonder Over Worry, is the idea of you got to name it to tame it. And just taking like five seconds to recognize like what emotion is coming up gives it less power than it would have otherwise. And I think that comes along with like calling friends too, is I, I usually start my calls like I'm feeling this and this and this and just like getting it out there. Mm, yes. Name it to tame it. We love a rhyme. Other things to negate some of the discomfort and uncertainty is remembering why you're doing what you're doing in your business. So even through navigating employees coming and going, even through navigating uncertainty with revenue, even through being like, what, what is happening? Why are you doing what you're doing? That is always going to be your North Star to come back to, to give yourself a like, okay, this, this is why I'm going to keep trudging through. I'm going to learn how to tolerate this. I got this. And then the other thing is outside of business, who are the people in your life or what is the thing that helps you feel stable? For example, for me, rock climbing helps me feel stable when I'm in routine of it. Like if I go twice a week, I have my people I go with. It's in my routine. It's my escape. That is my stability. Or my dog, Bennett, who is always here, little cutie, and brings so much comfort and stability of this is always my fluffy, lovely boy to pet at the end of the day. And I know that's going to be there. I agree with that though, of like the, or have found that to be really helpful of entrepreneurship is always going to feel a little unstable because mm-hmm. you're always growing. Like there's always, there's always movement that's going to be happening. It's not where you can just like go to a nine to five and then shut off. Like you are, you are in charge of it all 99% of the time. (laughs) Being able to have things in my life outside of that, that are stable. Like I have found like two workout classes at my gym that I just love going to and the same people go every time. And so knowing, even just knowing that like, that's going to be there. Tenfold Tuesdays have started. I'm so happy to be get, to get back to those next week where like Tuesday morning, a lot of people in different aspects of my community have just started showing up to the same coffee shop and we've labeled it Tenfold Tuesday. And just having things like that just makes it seem like there's not as many worries in the world. <laughs> Mm. That sounds dramatic, but it's true. Like you can, you just know you can rely on that. Like there's something that is reliable and consistent. And it's a, and I would say it's a combination too, right? Like you need to have some things that 
feel stable and certain that might be a little bit more social and out there, but you also need to have things that feel stable and certain that like you have control over because you can't always rely on other people in order to have that stability. Exactly. So the TLDR of this episode is discomfort and uncertainty. So fucking normal. It's never going to go away. You will ride the waves of your window of tolerance. And all you can do is know when it's coming, acknowledge it, name it, and tend to it. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please leave us a rating and review, share with a business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. See you next week. Bye.